Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello Rams fans and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washington's first wholly virtual podcast with the three of us all recording remotely. I am Richard Kutcher and joining us today from the Ramshack Beckenham branch is Tom Martin. Hi Tom. Uh, Hello there. And lugging his way through a couple of carafes of wine a day is Anton Martin. Welcome Anton. What else is there to get you through the days? I certainly have and I know Tom will have been getting through a significant amount of quality beer as we're all refined to our abodes and Steve Bloomer's washing is partner for this season however long it lasts with our friends at Derby Brewing Company Derby's original craft brewer so do check them out if you can we're a couple of weeks into uh, coronavirus isolation now as everyone knows and is probably a little bit sick of so uh tom first of all how have you been coping with with the lockdown well thankfully the weather's been very good kutch uh i've been doing a few barbecues which have been been lovely and uh yesterday had a thoroughly enjoyable afternoon uh reliving last uh, year's headingly test match where ben stokes guided england to victory with a heroic 135 not out pretty emotional times actually in the ramshack uh it's a shame you weren't here to 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 join in with me mate yeah, absolutely. No, I was lying in the garden listening to a bit of it on the radio and then I had to go inside and, and watch the, the end of it as I was pretty much burnt to a crisp. Anton, how have you been passing these days? Yeah, definitely starting to get very bored now. Um, but as Tom says, the, the weather's def- definitely helped with that, spending a lot of time in the garden, uh, making sure get that vitamin D, making sure I've got a bit of an exercise routine in the morning just to stay a little bit active. And, and of course, making sure the fridge is, is well stocked with a few beverages. Yep, yep, absolutely. Sounds very familiar to out here in the countryside, glorious Gloucestershire countryside that I'm fortunate to be in. Now, there are obviously a few different angles to the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on football, which we'll discuss. First is the short-term and long-term financial health and viability of football in general and of course Derby County's situation specifically and second is how this season is going to be resumed and completed if at all. As you'd expect there's a lot of conflicting information out there and and some disputes already arising but what we're going to do in the first half of this pod is try to highlight some of the most eye-catching stories and developments and then in the second half we'll seek to lighten the mood a bit with a bit of classic svw trivia action and a discussion of your derby county isolation heaven and derby county isolation hell but let's start with the news coming out of derby in the last 10 days or so and their response to the suspension of the season anton it emerged on 6th of april in an article written by john percy of the telegraph that derby had furloughed its non-playing staff i haven't seen any official statement from the club yet on this? Uh, but what what do we know so far and how, how does it compare to, to other clubs of similar sizes? Yeah, so according to John Percy, Derby last week became the latest in a growing list of clubs who have furloughed their non-playing staff, meaning that the, the club won't be paying their wages while the season remains suspended. The staff will receive 80% of their wages through the government's job retention scheme, but so far there hasn't been any indication that either the club or players will top up the remaining 20%. Derby haven't been alone in this course of action. Several other championship clubs and even some Premier League clubs, such as Spurs and Bournemouth, have made similar decisions. Some clubs, including Forest have said that they will top up the extra 20%. However, Millwall have gone to even further extremes by furloughing the entire playing squad. Liverpool last week reversed their original decision to furlough non-playing staff after heavy criticism, while Southampton announced that their players would be deferring their wages in order to protect the jobs of others. So quite a few different 
strategies um, amongst the clubs. It, it is worth mentioning that Derby have launched a, a Stay Safe, Stay Fit, Stay Connected campaign, which provides advice and support to the community. For size Family Friday being a particular highlight of that. <laughs> the Derby um, players are also expected to make an announcement on a wider community initiative that would support both non-playing staff as well as the rest of the community. But at the time of releasing, that hasn't been released yet. So, Tom, there have been quite a few different approaches to this, and clearly it's an incredibly testing time for football finances. But what do you make of Derby's approach so far? Yeah, it is definitely a testing time, as you say, Anton. Um, I have to say, when I first heard the news of Derby furloughing their staff and also not paying the 20% extra, um, I was pretty frustrated uh, and quite annoyed. Um, I've been so about a few non-footballing businesses doing this as well, um, who have wealthy owners and big businesses who seem to think it's okay to to pay out for uh, investors and shareholders and then ask the government and the taxpayer, therefore, uh, to pay the wages of their staff. Um, in Derby's case, I mean, we've not been very well run, I think, in terms of wages and profitability for quite a while. And that that long-term issue is then coming to roost here in a really unprecedented time. Um, our wage bill is so significantly, much significantly higher higher than our uh, revenue. And therefore, we're in a predicament where some of the lower end, uh, pay, lower paid workers at the club, your uh, ticket office staff, your club shop staff, etc. They're not getting their full wages and they're really struggling. Whereas we still got players who are not even anywhere near the first team and also players in the first team who are earning astronomical sums in some cases. And it, it is quite frustrating. And I was perhaps a bit annoyed about it uh, when I first heard it. But then again, needs must, I guess, from a business perspective. Yeah, I think Tom makes a lot of good points there. And the thing is, it's such a complex situation with, with football finances. And that's not an excuse at all. It's the mess that all of football has got itself into. And, and everyone, no one's blameless in the financial situation that, that football finds itself in. You could probably say the closest people to being blameless are the fans. But of course, we all fund it to a, to a certain degree of how football has developed. And we obviously want the, the highest quality football, whether it's in the Premier League, in a championship. And we do continue to pay for our noses to, to fund the game that we love going to see. So for me, longer term, I think it might be an, an opportunity to however difficult it is and how hard it is to kind of reset football. And I think there's already some discussions around that. But my main concern about both Derby and the wider football is that, that you'll, you'll just never get a consensus on on how to, how to get through with. But in terms of what Derby have done, I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. I think it's a bit disappointing when you've got a, a, such a mega rich owner. And of course, he has already sunk a lot of money into the club down the years. But you'd think that the priority should be looking after those Derby County staff. I presume it's not all of the staff because there are some club activities continuing, you know, things like Rams TV and they're doing a lot of media output. So there won't be all staff, but it's just very frustrating. It, It feels very unfair when you see players, and this is not just Derby again, but players getting paid full wages for now and staff not getting paid their full wages or the liability being passed on to the taxpayer. They're good points again, as you make, uh, Kutch. I know we've talked about this uh, via the WhatsApp group as well. My frustration with it is is that clearly this is a very unprecedented time. Lots of football clubs are going to go through difficulty. uh, And there's a realisation, which I think a lot of people had realised before, but like it's now really obvious that football has been overpaying and it has not been run sustainably for a number of years. And this coronavirus epidemic has really uh, brought that to the fore at the moment. And the frustrating thing for me is that the PFA have said to the players not to accept anything on a case-by-case basis, but then also seem not to be sitting down with the football clubs to talk about, well, what can we do? Because clearly something needs to be done and needs to break somewhere. And there needs to be some sort of compromise from both the clubs and also the PFA. I don't think necessarily that players should be forced to do something. Uh, what Matt Hancock said the other day about Premier League footballers should be deferring wages and stuff on it in the media was completely ridiculous because it's not their responsibility to to pay for it. But at the same time, there there is something that... P- the, the players could do. Uh, and I think there needs to be a general consensus and a, an agreed um, decision. And that's not to necessarily wipe out uh, players' wages and make them make um, like what Southampton have done, which 
maybe has come from the, the whole club um, because of the tax repercussions. But I do think there needs to be some sort of discussion happening. Uh, and I think it needs to be done quickly. And at the moment, people seem to be dragging their feet and pulling in different directions. And that for me is the major worry, which is a more whole football thing rather than just a derby uh, centered thing. Yeah, no, I think that the player situation is interesting. And of course, it's conflicting and players are in different situations as well. And Wayne really talked about this in his column where obviously at Derby County, you can probably put our players into three brackets. Wayne Rooney is probably in his own bracket completely because of the status of him and his wages. And he's obviously going to be financially okay. And as he mentioned in his column, then you've got kind of the middle of their career players who, you know, these are pretty important contracts that they've got right now, but they're probably financially quite stable and healthy if they've been looking after their finances. But obviously not everyone does that. So they've got interesting um, priorities to deal with. And then you've got people like, you know, Louis Sibley, Max Bird, Jason Knight, who are just starting out. They haven't built up a career. They haven't built up finances. They've got great career prospects, of course. But this is, you know, would be a really worrying moment for, for players like that. You know, they can't be expected to give up, you know, 30, 40% of their wages because the rest of the club is giving up 30, 40% of their wages because they might be looking after the rest of their family on those wages. So there's, it's not a very easy situation. And, and Wayne Rooney, said in his column, I think it's a disgrace that footballers have, have been lined up as easy targets in the coronavirus response. We've seen the government and health secretary, Matt Hancock, as Tom mentioned, in particular, pick out Premier League players saying that they should take pay cuts and, quote, do their bit. Now, I'm not sure Matt, Matt Hancock has really quite factored in the huge loss of tax revenue a pay cut to Premier League players would result in for the Treasury. I'm, I'm talking mainly about Premier League there. At the very top of the game, at least, it seems to me the only people that benefit from a, a, a significant pay cut to players are wealthy billionaires and nation state owners of clubs. And that's not going to help this country get through the corona uh, pandemic. It's not going to support the health of football. All it's going to do is reduce the tax revenue going into the Treasury. Yeah, I mean, Anton. on on Matt Hancock's comments, it, it seemed a completely unfair kind of singling out of, of players. Football players do earn a lot of money, but as, as you say, they, they contribute massively in the tax revenue of the com- of, of the country, footballers are only make up a small proportion of the high earning population, and they're probably some of the few who do pay full taxes and already make big contributions to the community. So I think it's very bizarre comments from Matt Hancock. The players have obviously come out since that with the the Players Together initiative, which shows that that they are thinking about this. They were just taking their time to to make sure that they they came up with a solution that was necessary and um, fitting of, of the current environment. So I, I think the players have stepped up. Um, I, I think the the tax issue is a really key one, um, which you mentioned, Kutch, and w- without that tax money, um, you'd lose a lot of money going to the NHS at the moment. I guess for the Championship, though, Tom, um, and, and the players' wages in our league, it is very different from the Premier League, as we've already mentioned. The, the price of football uh, Twitter account shared a table on Twitter recently that showed the extent to which the majority of clubs in the championship, including Derby, currently live way beyond their means. And you touched upon that. 13 of the 24 championship clubs in the 2018-2019 season were spending more than 100% of their income on wages, while another four were spending 90% or more. I think Reading was the top one of like 220% or something. Derby's ratio was 161% of our income went on wages, the fifth highest last season. Now, pandemic or not, that was never going to be sustainable for the league. Tom, one of the so-called nuclear options that was floated by Martin Samuel in the mail last week uh, was that all 24 championship clubs entering administration at the same time to avoid financial disaster. Can you just explain for this one for us in maybe in 30 seconds of what, what Martin Samuel's going on about? In essence, the nuclear option is that every club goes into administration on the same day, releasing all staff and players, uh, therefore becoming free agents in order to help cut costs, uh, wipe debt, and then uh, also avoid insolvency. Clubs would then reform under the same owners and re-sign their players on contracts reflecting the post-coronavirus circumstances, i.e. lower wages and potentially removing unwanted players from their wage bill. That's the nuts and bolts of it, but the logistics are extremely complex and throw up a number of questions which you guys might want to chew over. Uh, Would there be a 10-point penalty and transfer embargo for going into administration, as is the current rule book would say? Uh, Would the fact that all clubs agree, all 24 that is, uh, 
mean that a rule change to avoid these punishments could be made because it needs 75% of club support to make a rule change. Presumably, there would also be an agreement between championship clubs not to poach one another's players, but surely this would not extend outside the championship. So does that leave the clubs like Derby uh, if they were to make Jaden Bogle a free transfer, Max Bird a free transfer, therefore be uh, open to pickings from Premier League sides who have been linked to those players in the past. Then it's more the personal side. How would the players feel? How would the staff react to this? Could there be a player's strike? What actually would happen to those sack staff who weren't then taken on? Would the EFL even allow those 24 clubs to re-enter at the championship? And finally, what would this mean, therefore, for the whole football pyramid? especially League One and League Two, would they do the same? And what does it mean for Premier League parachute payments? They're guaranteed to the clubs as they are at the moment. If they change, those parachute payments aren't going to exist. Are we going to see a split in the Football League, uh, an even bigger split in the Football League uh, and the, between the Football League and the Premier League? This is clearly a, a very extreme option. My guy instinct is that this could never happen really um no matter what the the circumstances around um football finances there there are just too many hypotheticals and unknowns both from a a club and a player perspective really for for the clubs we're talking about huge financial assets to to the clubs um these players are are hugely valuable and, and if something was to go wrong with kind of player contracts when you got to the end of this period it could genuinely mean kind of the death of a club if you don't get the the player assets back which you've kind of built up um over the years some clubs genuinely can't afford that and and would um really struggle if if they didn't get some of their prize assets back then from from a player perspective i mean these guys have worked incredibly hard to get in some cases pretty lucrative contracts and and the stability that anyone in in life wants from from a job in in what is quite a short career as well so you're saying to these guys that they've basically got to cancel their contract and there's no guarantee they'll get a contract at the end of this time. I'm sure they wouldn't be particularly keen with that. I'm I'm definitely sure that agents wouldn't be keen on that given the the work that they've done to to get these player contracts. So for me, there, there are just too many hypotheticals and I don't think it could ever happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree with Anton's last point that it probably is never going to happen. I think there's cynical hat being put on I think my I think there's probably two ways that this came about this discussion one was it was genuinely an idea floated at a meeting by one person and a few people kind of shared sideways glances uh, and then that got leaked out to Martin Samuel the other one it was is it was a more orchestrated attempt by the Football League and the clubs to fire a shot at the players associations and the, and the player groups negotiating on you know player wage uh, reductions etc and also maybe to the TV companies saying this is how bad the situation is and this is a nuclear option do not let it get to that point so I think that's probably more a bit of gameplay by the Football League to try and put that noise out there that this is a possibility because obviously no one would want that result but I think a lot of the questions that you raised Tom are important you know you think about the Derby County squad you know we would be very uh, vulnerable I think there's two ways to look at it. One is we'd have to be well set because we've got a nice, uh, good crop of young players coming through, which we'll come on to in a second. But also, we'd also be very vulnerable to clubs poaching our players. We've heard that Chelsea, a tenuous link from Chelsea to Max Bird, for example. If we were to cancel all contracts and then renegotiate, Chelsea could probably come in there and take him for, for free. So we that would not be particularly uh, exciting element for the league. But I guess it is just it does just show that there is the talk of a kind of a doomsday scenario going on, which isn't isn't particularly isn't particularly welcome. But let's focus then. Let's continue focusing on Derby County for the end of this half of the episode. How concerned should we be with Derby's own financial predicament? We we know Mel has been looking for investment. All the signs are that the deal with Gabe is probably dead or at best on hold for now. Michael Dell off of computers and his hedge fund are reportedly the latest club to be interested in investing, although the Reuters article on this actually suggested it was more likely to be in the form of a loan. And that doesn't sound quite so encouraging to me. So are we confident, Tom, that Mel Morris has the appetite to steer Derby County through this? Um, I think he has the appetite to do it, um, whether he's maybe lost some of that um, sort of drive because of the difficulties we've had getting out of the division. He's want, he's set the club up brilliantly, really. Um, the investment in the uh, training facilities and the academy um, have been, been fantastic and we're now starting to see that. So there's a really good basis for the club moving forward. Um, my issues with 
Morris and clearly his issues as well are the fact of, well, how do we manage to keep this wage bill down and how do we manage to run this club sustainably, which is what he's often talked about. Um, we've tried to spend money to get promoted by buying some of the, the best, in inverted commas, players uh, available to get us out of the championship and it hasn't worked. We've got far too many players on far too bigger wages and it's costing the club way too much money. So I wouldn't be surprised as soon as this coronavirus pandemic is, is over and we sort of return to a bit of normality within football um, that we start to see some talk about investment going again. Uh, it would be, I'd be very surprised if Mel Morris was still the the uh, major shareholder or the owner at this time next year. I think if we do compare Derby to the rest of the teams in the EFL, though, we, I, I think we are one of the more fortunate clubs, to be honest. Um, we, we do have an owner who, who does have a lot of money. He can kind of put some funds into the club to help us through the tough period. He, he's also a local local man as well so he, he will want Derby to to kind of be sustained throughout the time one thing which will will almost certainly be relaxed and adjusted is financial fair play so I, I don't think we'll have to worry too much about the kind of wage implications during coronavirus which might have been one of the things that that could have put us in a, a lot of trouble the fact that Morris should have the money to kind of cope with this we shouldn't have to worry about kind of doing it sustainably just for now I know it is a kind of long-term worry but the most important thing is kind of getting through this period likewise with with the rest of the clubs in the EFL to make sure that every club in the football pyramid is still there and, and we can continue with football after this is all over yeah no I, I agree I mean I do I don't I'm not worried that Mel Morris would let the club go under because he was determined not to sink uh, tens, hundreds, possibly more millions of pounds into the club to ensure it doesn't go under. But I, I, I am worried about our situation in all of this more broadly. Uh, presumably, he's giving us a mortgage, a rent holiday on the stadium right now. Obviously, we lease the stadium from Mel Morris, so hopefully we're not paying those fees as as a club. But although yeah, it's probably all the same bank account, really, at the end of the day, because Mel's funding the club. Um the only silver lining that I see here um, for Derby, if, if there was a real implosion in the EFL then, and a lot of the EFL club's finances, is that with Derby's academy and the players we have already brought through this season uh, and, and the players we know we have in the pipeline, we actually could be in a relatively strong position if there is a, a real financial crisis in football in the sense that clubs don't go under, but there is a kind of a readjustment and realignment of wage bills. They come down from, you know, 20 odd million to 10, 10 million area. Derby how, could adjust to that quite quickly. We've got some big owners out of contract this summer, for example. So when this season does officially end, they would be off the wage bill. We might have to reconsider whether or not we offer people like Chris Martin a contract, unfortunately. But players, you know, if the new market is only paying a certain amount of money, players will have to adjust to that as well. So if clubs are forced to start again and slim down wage bills drastically, then we do have a crop of homegrown players that hopefully would form the backbone of a team going forward for the next three or four years. And we could probably control that a bit more easily. I still think it's too early to be planning for how this season is going to end, chaps. But the EFL does appear to be putting potential plans to the clubs. The latest one was in the news this week, um, trying to finish the season by playing the remaining matches in 56 days. Now, that does appear to include the playoffs. So if they take 10 days at a minimum, the playoffs then you're looking at Derby for example squeezing nine regular league matches into 46 days and that's a game once every four days by my maths which seems manageable to me now it sounds like they're planning to do all of that behind closed doors you'd expect there would be obviously more live TV coverage than usual probably every match going to be shown live on TV in some way you'd, you'd expect but playing in front of no fans and behind closed doors is not an idea either from an atmosphere spectacle basis or from a revenue perspective that is is particularly appealing uh tom what, what's your thoughts on kind of squeezing the season in into a, about just a month and a half without any any fans in place yeah i guess that what they've got to do is they've got to finish the season in some format i think nine games in 46 days is about one every five days so i think it is your math is always terrible kutch um so uh, <laughs> I, I do think that is manageable um if that is the the last possible option to get the season finished then I think we need to finish the season it's not ideal you're right I would love going to watch football as do many thousands across the across the country and even across Europe that if the fact that we can't gather in big groups and therefore football matches would be a big group and we have to stay at home and watch them on the TV at least we're getting them getting the games done that is a preferable option to me 
than to say, right, the season finishes here. Derby were in a good position and actually looking like we could have an outside chance of the playoffs. I'm not saying we were going to get there, but we were just starting to hit a nice little bit of form. Anything can happen over those 46 games in uh, 46 days or so that uh, those nine games get finished. And perhaps you could see Derby actually participate in the playoffs, which would have been unthinkable back in sort of end of January, beginning of February. So yeah, it's not ideal, but if that's the last option, then yes, we've got to do it. But Anton, how how would you feel if Tom mentioned, you know, Derby could get to the playoffs and I feel a bit silly talking about this at all right, right now, but how would you feel if we did actually get to the playoffs and it was all done behind closed doors and we finally did win at Wembley after the last 10 years of, of her or whatever we've had? Um, how do you feel about getting promoted that way without any without being there to see it happen? It would certainly be bizarre, wouldn't it? I mean, the silver lining is is that you would hopefully get to watch it on TV. It's, it's obviously not the same as soaking up the atmosphere by being there at the stadium. Um, but I mean, going back to Tom's point, that the most important thing out of all of this is that we do finish the season from an integrity perspective. It's, it's definitely not ideal playing things behind closed doors, but... If if that is the only option, then that's that's going to have to be done, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think we do have to be inventive um, and the clubs and league have to be inventive and they have to be flexible. And of course, while in football, the most important thing might be the integrity of the league. Of course, there's a much bigger health crisis that we're all dealing with. And I think everyone's going to have to get used to things not being quite the way they were, at least in the short term well that's it for the first half do join us after the break for some a bit lighter second half for some classic rams trivia and yours and ours derby county isolation heaven and derby county isolation hell here's the free kick struck by martin tremendous beyond lee camp and derby take the lead it's taken them until the 85th minute to break through bournemouth's defenses wonderful free kick Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So, as you probably noticed, Chris couldn't be online with us today. We have given him some deserved time off, but he is helping all of our listeners stay sane during lockdown by launching the SBW Derby County Pub Quiz. He's doing another one this week, so do get your drinks in, grab a pen and paper, and keep an eye on on our Twitter at around 8.30pm on Friday, April 17th. Just a quick note to say I was unable to join in last time, unfortunately, but I was pretty impressed by seeing so many listeners take part and particularly those that managed to even have kind of virtual quiz teams. It looked like a lot of fun, really good stuff. And I think there was even a winning team name referencing one of your all-time favourites, Tom. Yeah, uh, Paul Bockis, or should I say Vaspobokis or Vaspobokquiz, which was an excellent team name. Uh, so good that I wanted to take it for myself. However, the reference is so niche that uh, my friend wouldn't mm. have realised what I was talking about. So I went for a classic Quiz Martin instead. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, now that I've seen that, I've seen where the bar is, I'm ex- very excited to enter my own team quiz name next Friday. So do please join us on Twitter from 8.30pm on Friday, the April 17th for the latest Derby County pub quiz. So at the start, I asked Tom and Anton how they were coping with lockdown, but it's been Interesting to see some of the highlights coming from the Rams players as well. I think my personal favourite so far has been Rasheen Hepburn Murphy. If you remember him joining us on loan earlier this season, breaking an upstairs window at his house doing keep-ups in the back garden. I presume it's probably his parents' house. It looked pretty impressive. So, um, Anton, what what have been some of your highlights from uh, Derby County Twitter in the last uh, few weeks? Yeah, there have definitely been a a few entertaining uh, social media posts. I think my highlight has probably been Dwayne Holmes' attempt at at singing High School Musical. Questionable choice of song. and I don't think we've got too much to worry about of him giving up his football career to go into a a singing career. But... uh, yeah, that that was definitely a, an entertaining moment. There's definitely been there's definitely been some interesting. You know, the players aren't afraid to put themselves out there, and uh, I think Jamie Mackey did a, a similarly um, impressive uh, dance and, and singing routine. Uh, Tom, what have you liked from the Derby County Twitterati? Yeah, I also enjoyed that Jamie Mackey one cutch. Um, I really liked the uh, academy graduate uh, Aaron Cashin. Uh, he did like some sort of rocky em- embrace sort of uh, video, pushing up against the wall, uh, absolutely cleaning out a fence, which was particularly pleasing. And then uh, also nailing three or four uh, raw eggs, which 
impressive and fair play to him. Um, so that's been my f- personal favourite social media output so far. I think uh, I think what I read, I was actually look, watched that one again a second ago, Tom. And I think what I looked in some of the replies and comments and Rory DeLapp um, actually replied saying, great work. Hope your dad wasn't too upset about the fence. And um, Cash actually replied just saying, yeah, he wasn't very upset. So I had to tackle him as well. So obviously got a, <laughs> obviously got a good sense of humour. And um, yeah, I just thought I just thought it was really good. It's actually very well produced video. <laughs> a lot of talent in that kid, not just on the pitch. So uh, yeah top marks to everyone for embracing what they're doing and providing some light relief to all of us uh, while we're cooped up inside. So being in isolation has given us the idea to think of which Derby players, past or present, we would like or not like to be in isolation with. So a kind of isolation heaven or isolation hell, if you will. So so Tom, what players come into the isolation heaven category? Who do, who do you want to be locked down with for a, for a long, hot summer? It was quite a difficult choice, actually. I was just thinking back to the sort of 13, 14 side with Hughes and Hendrick. I think they seem like pretty sound sound lads. Obviously, Hughes is renowned for having a beer as well. But I actually think from the more more recent time, I think Dwayne Holmes would be a bit of a character. He'd be entertaining. And then when I need something to uh, chill out with and have a, a more sort of sophisticated conversation, perhaps a whiskey, maybe a Jaeger. It'd be Craig Bryson to sort mm. of calm the mood later in the evenings. I was thinking from the recent cohort, I actually thought Bryson as well. I thought Bryson would be quite nice just to to sit back with, watch a bit of Netflix, uh, do a bit of box, box set binging and yeah, have a wee dram probably as well. Anton, what about your isolation heaven? So I've actually approached this a little bit differently. So I've, I've looked at former players who, who have gone down a, a slightly different career path which I, I think might come in handy um, for me while while I'm being isolated so one person on that front um, I mean something that's very important during this isolation is staying fit and, and keeping a little bit active and one Christian Daly has actually completed a sports science degree um, after he finished his football playing career and has now started a new career as an athletics coach so that that might be wow. really handy to have a, a little bit bit of personal training you you guys might disagree with that one one thing which you certainly would agree with is that it's very important to have a well-stocked supply of alcohol and that is where uh, Georgie Kinkladze comes in because he actually now owns a number of vineyards in his homeland of Georgia where he wow. produces and exports a number of different wines. So we certainly wouldn't have issue keeping a, a fully stocked wine fridge with him in the house. Anton, I think you've just suggested the first Steve Blue was washing road trip vacation. I've I've actually been eyeing up some Azerbaijani vineyards uh, recently for for a, for a holiday coming up, and Georgia, of course, does border Azerbaijan. So I'm not sure what Chris will think of it, but I think uh, us three could definitely be up for a trip to Georgia to visit Georgie's vineyards. I think that's definitely on the card. So that's a hell of a shout. I'd be up for that, but I heard Georgie and Clazzy was a bit of a smoker, so maybe an issue there. Mm, great suggestions there for isolation heaven. What about isolation hell then, Anton? You've obviously been doing your research, so let's come to you first. Yeah, so I've I've gone for a kind of a fairly similar approach and, and thought about the things which I definitely wouldn't want in in my house during lockdown one thing which is it's definitely been tricky to to come across is, is fresh food supply and, and making sure you have lots of stuff in the fridge so one person you wouldn't want in that situation I thought is, is Mo Konjic who is obviously <laughs> an absolute unit and I'm sure he's got an absolutely monstrous diet um also with probably some some slightly strange Bosnian cuisine so he would take up a lot of fridge space and also not give me um, much of the food that I, I would need during my isolation so that's one the other thing which which is kind of a, a potential issue during isolation is that it's, it's quite easy to get lonely um, you want people around to, to talk to and have that bit of human interaction so one person you wouldn't want in the house is Ketchianya because he is likely to disappear for, for months at a time um, and you probably wouldn't see him and probably forget that he's even in the house so you definitely want to, wouldn't want to be spending your time with Ketchianya during isolation. That's that's interesting because that, that I've, I've, I've seen another take on that from on Twitter which we'll come on to it in a second so Tom how about your isolation hell suggestions? I had three just in case uh, we came up with a duplicate and my duplicate of Anton was Mo Konjic for the same reasons but um, I would also add and I love the bloke but Seth Johnson, it was a bit, mm. it was a bit untidy, wasn't he? A bit scruffy, shirt and tucks, like short, uh, shorts halfway down his ass, uh, socks halfway down his legs. 
bit of a mess. I could imagine if he was in in a flat. It's only two bedrooms. It's not the biggest of places. Like Seth Johnson's stuff would be everywhere. It'd be driving me nuts. So um, he'd be one. And the other person, we've got a few shortages, haven't we? Not a lot of toilet roll around, but someone like Stephen Bywater likes to do weird art installations. And I could see him nicking all my toilet roll, using all my beers and like emptying them out and then using the bottles in the toilet roll. I think I think I'd go mental. But then he'd probably yeah. kick me out of the house. So yeah, absolutely. And we had a few suggestions of Stephen Bywater on the Stephen is watching Twitter as well. Just before we get to that, I think my my one that sprung to mind. We have mentioned him on the podcast before. Is uh, Lee Croft? I just think you'd have the most mundane, boring conversations with with old bungalow. And uh, I'm just not sure that uh, I, I could take more than one evening in with with Lee Croft. To be honest, so much rather be with the likes of Craig Bryson as we discussed. But we did as ever put it out to you guys on Twitter on good friday for your ideas of derby players past and present that would make either isolation heaven or isolation hell we had some great responses we can't name all of them unfortunately but dave said heaven he said johnny russell always looked like he was up for a good crack and venus gotsman would down a few pints with me while wearing a skirt his idea of hell was robbie savage because of his voice can't even make it for a 606 show never mind a lockdown with him the north yorkshire rams for heaven suggested michael johnson leader calm head the type of bloke who'd give up the last packet of toilet roll in tesco for anyone and they also mentioned stephen bywater for the same reasons as you tom probably going to use the toilet roll for his latest art exhibition kurt lewin suggested mark poom for his heaven as he just comes across as a nice chap and hell is bywater as by all accounts he's a lunatic so at some point we're going to have to get bywater on to disprove all of this aren't we um for jack couchman heaven was ted mcminn or paul mcgrath Definitely have some liquid lunches with those lads. And for hell, um, Jack said, Giles Barnes, I'd probably chin him before 3.30. And how could I forget Ramage? Uh, ben Taylor uh, said, big Igor Stimach for heaven. Top bloke who would be a leader in a crisis. Or Gary Rowett, as he can spin a good yarn and he could sell ice to Eskimos. His hell was Tyrone Mings as I would have to be constantly checking that he's not climbed out of the bathroom window, which I think is very good. And and great collective, thinking similarly practically to Anton says, Phil G, he could give the p- apartment a good painting. But my favourite was from Miles Weller, who said, wouldn't want McLaren unless I hope to sleep through it all. And I'd hate Gary Rowett, but he'd probably leave before lockdown was over. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think that's, uh, that's my favourite one very good. Uh, from from miles so thank you for all of those guys something to chew over over the easter weekend but now as ever it wouldn't be an episode of steve Bloomer's washing without a bit of quiz action and we've come up with at least one new game and brought back a couple of old favorites and anton's got the new one for us so i'm a bit bit worried about this could be my strong point but um we'll see. and anton uh what's what's the quiz and how's it gonna work yeah I've, I've come up with a new quiz idea which is the the kind of excitement we all need in um the current scenario so what one thing which has been helping me to get through isolation i'm sure it's the same for for many of our listeners is football manager personally i've, I've brought out the old classic of football manager 2012 so i've got the likes of Theo Robinson and Gareth Roberts at my disposal in that Derby team. But my quiz idea is based on the um, amazing data set that that Football Manager has and the player attributes that are part of the game. If if, if you don't play Football Manager, um, I mean, you you definitely should. But if you don't play it, um, the player attributes are ranked between 1 and 20. 20 being kind of almost perfection and, and 1 being needs to try harder. So I've got three kind of different questions based, of course, on Derby County player attributes. The first one for you guys, so I'm going to ease you in a little bit with um, Football Manager 2020. So the, the current season. My first question is a little bit of a twist on on who am I. So I'm going to give you a few attributes of um, a player in the current Derby squad and I, I need you to tell me who you think it is. So if, if we'll go through all three and, and then we can do answers at the end. So I'll give you a few attributes and, and you need to tell me who you think it is. So this player has a crossing attribute of 14, heading of 12, acceleration 10 and leadership of 12. So who am I? 
Right, so so next question. We are going back to 2012 this time. So back to the season, which I am making the most of at the moment. And what I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm going to give you a player who has the best attributes in the Derby team for a few um, of these metrics. And I want you to tell me who it is. So this player has the best attributes in the whole team for creativity, balance, corners, and free kicks. Now, I can give you a multiple choice if you would like on this one, given that it's quite a few years old. So the choices are Paul Green, Jamie Ward, Stephen Davis, or Ben Davis. So those attributes are creativity, balance, corners, and free kicks. Which one of those players do you think it is which heads the way for for the derby team um so final question then we're going going fast forward in again to football manager 2020 so the current season and um what i want you to tell me is is based on the pace metric in football manager who does football manager think is the fastest player in the derby team so definitely a few contenders in there but who has the highest pace metric in Football Manager 2020 for the Derby team. Okay, so question one. Um, what did you guys think this player was? Tom, you went for Tom Lawrence, I presume? Yeah, I went Tom Lawrence. I went for Craig Forsyth. And the answer is Craig Forsyth. Oh, gets the point. Yeah, crossing's good. Head, heading's pretty good, which is probably where Tom Lawrence falls down. Acceleration, pretty poor at 10. Tom Lawrence probably a little bit higher on that leadership twelve. I don't, don't know about Tom Lawrence for that, but yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have had Tom Tom Lawrence leadership above ten, would you? No, that was that was my that was my one. But I thought his heading. I'm just remembering his goal against Edinburgh yeah. last year. So <laughs> where that was heading twenty, <laughs> that, that that gets you twelve just for for that one goal. To be yeah. fair. So question two: Who out of Paul Green, Jamie Ward, Stephen Davis, and Ben Davis did you think that this player was? I went. I went for Ben Davis. Yeah, I also went Ben Davis. He took all the corners and he, he was bought as a creative quarterback. And you would and be correct. Well done. Yeah. So that's uh, another right. point to catch. And Tom is off the mark for, for this round. Um, final question. Who do you think is the fastest player in the current Derby team? I went for Bogle. Okay, I'm going to change my answer just so to stand a chance of uh, drawing level. I'm going to say Max Lowe. So I can tell you that Jaden Bogle and Max Lowe both have um, a score of 14. Another contender who I thought might be up there was Dwayne Holmes. He's got 13. But the winner with 15 Marriott. is Jason Jack Marriott. Marriott. Oh, yeah. Jack Marriott. Uh, okay, good. Good quiz. Good quiz. So that's one, one quiz won by Richard. That's rare. Well done, Crutch. <laughs> okay, so my quiz uh, game is one we have played before only a couple of times on the Stevens Watching Podcast, and it is shamefully stolen from um, the football ramble. Okay, so in this quiz... Um, I'm going to name a former Derby County player and tell you how many professional clubs he's played for in his career, including Derby. And you've got to tell me, uh, we'll start with Tom first, to give a, a first offer on how many of those teams he can name and then Anton can either up that or challenge him. So the first player is Stern John and he has got 13 clubs, professional clubs that he's played for. So Stern John, who played for Derby seven times in 2005, played for 12 other clubs. Tom, how many do you think you can name of Stern John's former clubs? Uh, three. Three. Anton? I was thinking a similar number. I, th I think Tom will definitely know three. I can probably do four. I'll go four. Tom? Anton can go and name four for Stern John. Right, so does Derby count as one? Uh, I did say Derby counted, yeah, I did actually. Okay. Yeah. It's Coventry City is the yep. first one that springs to mind. And the other one that I was thinking is Birmingham. Yep. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I'm trying to rack my brains. Oh, I'm thinking Come on, Palace. Last one. But I can't remember. Is that your played, answer? I can't remember if he played for Palace. Oh, I don't have a better answer though, so I'll go Palace. Palace is correct. 16 signs to Palace, two goals. Tom, who else were you thinking he played for? Nottingham Forest. Yep, 72 times at Nottingham Forest, yep. And Sunderland? Sunderland, yep. Also, you could have had Southampton, Bristol City, Ipswich Town, Columbus yep. Crew, um, New Orleans, Riverboat Gamblers, <laughs> Carolina Dynamo, Malta Carib Alcons. Jesus, um, what yeah. a career. <laughs> 
Okay, oh, so okay. one point to Anton. Sorry, Tom, that you were confused uh, there. So, okay, so the second player is Darren Bent. Darren Bent, who played for Derby in two spells, loan and permanently from 2015 to 2018. Darren Bent played for nine clubs, including Derby, in his professional career. So, um, Anton, do you want to start us off with a, with a guess? Yeah, I'll start with... This is definitely easier than Stern John. Um, trying to think how many Tom would know, just to put him under pressure. I'll go. I'll go with five. Five, including Derby. Tom, yeah. I will go six then, including Derby. I, I think he might know six, but I don't think I could name seven. So yeah, go for it, Tom. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to start with Ipswich Town, uh, Sunderland, because he scored that beach ball goal, didn't he? Sunderland is correct. Aston Villa, I think, signing for twenty-four million. Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I think he played up front with Gregor Raziak, but I might be wrong with that one. That's four. That's four. He'd two more. Derby to be five, and then my sixth one, Darren Bent, uh, Fulham. Oh, that's he's pulled it out the bag. It wasn't the one I was thinking. He's going to go for it. Twenty-four loan appearances at Fulham. Uh, Anton, what was the obvious one you were thinking? Well, of? I was thinking of Charlton. Yeah, oh, he went course. from Ipswich yeah. to Charlton. Yeah, yeah, course. he went from Ipswich to Charlton, and then also he had five appearances at Brighton and Hove Albion just before he joined Derby, and he also went to Burton Albion on loan from Derby. Oh yeah, I remember well. that. Yeah. So oh. one point, uh, one point to Tom. Okay, so for the tiebreaker on this round, the player in question who made thirteen appearances for Derby between two thousand and one and two thousand and two on loan is one of our probably lesser favourite Italians to play for Derby, but still a favourite of some sort. It's Benito Carboni, played for Derby between 2001 and 2002. He had 17 teams, professional teams, in his career. A few of those were were, were British teams. So, Tom, do you want to start us off? Um, How many, including Derby, teams that Benito Carboni played for, can you name? Uh, Three. I'm going to say name them. I'm I'm really struggling with that. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Derby County, and... uh... Bradford City. Yeah, that's correct. A bit of an anticlimax. Well done there, Tom. I will say to the listeners, I had to cut out. Uh, originally, we were going to do Paul Dickoff, but <laughs> I, managed to give, I managed to give away five of the clubs before asking him the question, <laughs> so we had to find a new one um, straight away. So I'll go through the teams that he played for. Obviously, I wouldn't expect you to get many of the Italian ones, but there are a few more English league clubs there. I mean, if you basically play for most Italian teams. So he played for Torino, yeah. Regina, Castatana, Ascoli, Napoli, Internazionale, Sheffield Wednesday, Aston Villa, Bradford City, Derby County, Middlesbrough, Como, Parma, Cantanzaro, Vicenza, and of course, Sydney FC. And then a football club, Pavia as well, which is another Italian football team based in Lombardy. So yeah, very uh, fun game. Sorry for screwing up the middle of it. Um, Lastly, then, it wouldn't be a SBW quiz special without uh, some of Tom's number quizzes. Uh, Hopefully, I've been told there's no attendance in this one, which normally skews it massively. So Tom, how's this going to work? So uh, I'm going to ask you a total of six questions. Uh, You need to write down the answers to those questions. Uh, There's going to be some addition and some subtraction today. Uh, just to make it a little <laughs> bit harder. Uh, Kutch is renowned for being pretty crap at maths, as you've already heard in this podcast. So I'm expecting Anton to win in terms of getting the right answers, but Kutch to come through with some terrible maths and get the right answers somehow. I'm going to go back in time to the first full season that I remember as a Derby County fan, and it was a, a fairly successful one until a fateful day in May. Uh, this is 1993-94. Derby finished sixth. Oh in the uh, NT League Division 1. I want to know how many goals did they score in their 46 league games? And your answer for question two is obviously the 2019-2020 season uh, ended early. How many goals had Derby scored up to the season's end? Uh, Question number three, uh, Derby played in two League Cup games and four FA Cup games, including a replay in those six games, how many goals did Derby score? Well, question number four, what is Dwayne Holmes' shirt number? Question number five, my other isolation heaven was Craig Bryson. How many goals did he score for Derby County? And our last question is, Derby County were founding members of the Football League. How many seasons have Derby played in the Football League? Not the top division, in the Football League. Yeah, in the Football okay. League, any division. Interesting. There's a trick question there, isn't there? Um, oh, yeah. Good point. That, is, that is some math. 
Uh, bear with me. It's cro- crossing over century, so that could be a, a millennia, in fact. So that could be quite a tricky one for you, Kutch. Are you mm. outside? There's some nice birds chirping. Yeah, I'm, I'm close to outside. Okay, when you've got your answers, if you can have a calculator ready, I want your, t- your total for number one minus yeah. your total for number two added to your total for number three and number four minus your total for number five and then added yeah. to your total for number six and number- and that would make your tiebreaker total. Okay. And we'll go to give a point for the person who is closest to the correct answer on each question. Yeah, so it's question one then. Anton, uh, in 1993, 94, you were only two years old. So I'm sure you'd know this one and remember it well. <laughs> How many goals did Derby score in that season when they finished sixth? Yeah, I mean, this was a complete guess for me. I've put 63. I've put 85. 85. The correct answer is 73. So the point therefore goes to Anton. Uh, in 2019 and 2020, Kutch, how many goals have Derby scored so far? I said 70. Anton? 70. I've gone for 48. Oh, Anton, very good effort. We scored 49 goals so far this season. <laughs> 70, <laughs> Jesus. 2019-2020, uh, we've had six games. Anton, how many goals have we scored in those six games? I've gone for 10. Touch? Yeah, I put 11. 11. We scored six goals in those games. One nil at Scunthorpe, one nil at Palace, and four... Uh, 4-2 against Northampton the rest of them we scored this is a whitewash that's 3-0 so Anton you need a point to uh, secure victory here Dwayne Holmes' shirt number Kutch I put 16 to start with and I changed 23 okay. I've also Anton? put 23 23 is the correct answer so that is oh, uh, a point each so right Kutch you can come back if you get the next two and you get the tiebreaker Anton how many goals did Craig Bryson score for Derby County again a bit of a guess this one 52 uh, I went a bit lower I went 45 45 is a good answer. It was 40 in total. Nice work. So that's 4-2 to Anton. Uh, two questions, well, one question, and then the tiebreaker remain. Uh, Kutch, you said you were only one year out. How many seasons have Derby played in the Football League? <laughs> so I worked this out by, and again, it might, my maths might let me down, but I think there's been 132 seasons since 1880. Oh, yeah. shit. I've done probably, <laughs> anyway, I put 132. No, I didn't. I put, yeah, I did. I put 130. No, I didn't. I put 128, sorry. So, yeah, I, I worked along the similar lines, 132 years since that first season, but obviously it's a couple of world wars in between. So I went 123. Very good, Anton. That was the that was the real tricky bit because obviously it, you're right, it has been 132 years since the formation of the Football League. Uh, but the I think mm. four seasons in... Uh, the First World War and six seasons in the uh, Second World War. And there have only been 121 Football League seasons that Derby have participated in. Uh, so that is the point, Anton. What was your total then, Anton? So my total was 124. Kutch? So my total was 132. Ah, well, the correct answer was 134. So Kutch, you get the uh, additional <laughs> bonus point. So I, I beat Tom in the Football Match quiz. Uh, Tom beat Tom me. Beat- and then you won that last one. So 1.8. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you for Tom and Anton for joining us in the latest uh, Steve Blue is Washing Isolation podcast. Please do uh, subscribe to Steve Blue is Washing. You can find us in all the usual places, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Do also give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, searching for us. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode, if all goes to plan. And we promise you, if it does go to plan and we pull it off, it will not be one to miss. So keep safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon, Rams fans. Rams fans.